another episode of the hardy wrestling podcast with your girl stephanie hardy this is going to be a two-part episode so i'm going to release part two a little bit later but in this part one i got your news and gossipish and i have a, a special interview with my friend and fellow wrestling podcaster miranda morales um it's a special conversation that i'm really glad that we were able to have on my platform so please you know enjoy that interview and enjoy this part one of knockout queens Part two, like I said, will be released on either today or tomorrow, Sunday morning. So please listen to both episodes and enjoy and enjoy the vibes. Okay, so I got your news and gossipish here, and we're going to start with the rumor that Charlotte Flair is supposed to be rumored to be tied to her fiance Andrade upon their return to WWE programming. As you may or may not know, Charlotte Flair has been sort of on a hiatus and on a break and so has Andrade. I don't know exactly what they're doing, but I think she had a surgery, but then she decided to sort of, you know, just chill out for the rest of the year. But basically there was a rumor um, via WrestleVotes.com that said that there had been an idea discussed um, on having an on-screen pairing of Charlotte Flair and Andrade when they return to television. And the idea behind it is to use Charlotte's star power to elevate Andrade into the main event scene. Now, mind you, I feel like this would be a really cool idea considering the fact that Andrade really has never really been on his own on the main roster. He always had um, someone to be on the main roster with him in the form of um, Thea Trinidad, who, who was formerly known as Zelina Vega. Um, she was his mouthpiece, and that was a really strong pairing there. But since um, Zelina Vega has now been released by WWE and she's no longer working for them, that leaves Andrade sort of, you know, on his own like he was when he came to NXT. And that's going to be really different because he sort of struggled a little bit with his um, on-screen persona there until he got paired with Zelina Vega as his manager. So if he got paired with Charlotte Flair and if she sort of served as his manager and also as a wrestler, that I feel like would be a match made in heaven because they're both strong competitors in the ring. Um, she would definitely serve as a great mouthpiece for him um, in that sense. And I feel like they would both just... They're, they're both sort of like an iron sharpens iron kind of couple. So I feel like, you know, and since considering we know that they're together, you know, they've been out publicly, they've taken pictures publicly and all of the above, you know, it would be, I feel like it would be a good idea if they did sort of put them together as a um, collective thing, whether she's a manager for him or maybe he's a manager for her, like, I don't know. But I feel like it would still be a good idea considering Andrade is stronger when he has someone to inspire him to, you know, bring that fire. And who better to bring that fire than his soulmate, right? So I think that would be really interesting to see. But it hasn't been confirmed, so we just have to, we're sort of at a wait and see period. Also in the news, we have Goldberg supposedly challenging Roman Reigns on WWE's The Bump this past Wednesday. So he had an interview on WWE's The Bump, which sort of serves as sort of like their morning show, kind of like on um, kind of like on ESPN with Get Up and First Take, um, except theirs is streamed online. So he stated on The Bump that Reigns, that Roman Reigns was next, which basically gave the sense that, you know, maybe he would want to fight him for the Universal title, you know, coming up 
you know, maybe towards Royal Rumble time or maybe WrestleMania time. And I know a lot of fans were sort of pushing the idea of Roman Reigns facing The Rock around WrestleMania time, you know, to sort of prove who would be, say, for instance, like the real tribal chief of the family and stuff like that. And that would be really amazing. Um, But a lot of people on social media really weren't, you know, enthusiastic about Goldberg, you know, being the next opponent for Roman Reigns in a bigger stage like that. Um, because they feel like he really doesn't have a place in wrestling anymore. And judging by his performances as of late, they feel like he really just needs to just stop wrestling altogether. And he's not really as popular because of the idea that he was the reason why Bret Hart had to retire from wrestling relatively quickly because he was inexperienced, you know, in the ring, you know, at that time. So it's just, it's a lot of animosity towards him returning, Um, but to me, I know, and I also saw a whole lot of stuff on social media, sort of like comparing, saying, if you're excited about Sting, then you should keep the same energy about Goldberg. And honestly, I can say for myself, I was excited, but slightly cautionary about Sting's return, simply because he had been injured before. Um, but I am excited for his return to wrestling simply because of the fact that I thought he was finished. But honestly, I can say when it comes to Goldberg, I'm a little bit bummed about it myself because the last time he came back, he beat a really strong Bray Wyatt, you know, in his Fiend character for the Universal title for whatever reason. And it just feel like it, even though the Fiend is still as strong as ever as a character without a title, it felt like at that time that he sort of stole some momentum that Bray Wyatt could have had as a champion. And maybe that makes me a person that doesn't keep that same energy or whatever. But at the same time, I have to be truthful to myself. And I'm not exactly as excited about Goldberg being back, you know, in the fold of wrestling now. And I know why WWE does it. They do it for, you know, to bring in casual fans who did remember Goldberg, you know, from the 90s and stuff like that, which is a good business move. But to someone like me, it's like I feel like someone that spot could be served for someone a lot better who's there all the time. Like someone like a um, like maybe a big E who's been on the singles run, you know, for a while or someone like, I don't know, just just anybody else to have a chance at a universal title outside of someone who's never truly there. So, you know, y'all can blame me, you know, and crucify me if you want, but that's just how I really feel about it. So also in the news, we have Snoop Dogg um, appearing on AEW pretty soon. Um, It was announced that this past, this past Wednesday that he will be making an appearance on the special new year smash episode of dynamite on January the 6th, 2021, which is coming up. Um, Now, there was a rumor that he might be doing commentary, given his last performance as a commentator for that boxing match that just happened um, between Nate Robinson and Jake Ryan, I think. I think that's his name. But yeah, um, basically, you know, his role as a commentator, along with Mar Ronaldo, who I miss very much, was very lauded and talked about, you know, in such a funny way on social media. So it's not necessarily proven that he's going to be a commentator on AEW, but there was a rumor that that WWE really didn't like it that much because Snoop Dogg has always exclusively sort of worked with WWE, you know, for the past couple of years and seeing the fact that Sasha Banks, the SmackDown Women's Champion, is his cousin as well. He's always been tied to them and he's a 
Hall of Famer um, in WWE as well. So there was this rumor that maybe um, WWE removed his Undertaker Snoop Dogg um, merchandise because because it was announced that he was going to be on AEW. But actually, as it turns out, that rumor was debunked by PW. Um, PW Insider stating that the reason why they took down the Undertaker Snoop Dogg merch was because it was only a limited edition that was supposed to be up until December the 6th. So they took it down because of that, because it was only supposed to be up for a limited time only. So um, I don't know if they're really beefing with Snoop Dogg, but I almost feel like they really can't you know, beef with Snoop Dogg in that sense, because they have to understand that Snoop Dogg is not just exclusively their um, person. He's not under contract with the WWE. He just works with them simply because, you know, he's a legend and he has ties to the business through his cousin. And because he's just, you know, he's always been a wrestling fan and they have a good relationship, but he's not just tied with them, you know, with a contract. He's a very marketable legendary rapper and you see him have his hands in so many different things and so many different sports as you can see with boxing with basketball because he's an LA Lakers fan um and because he's from there and you can't you know and with him you know with his show with Martha Stewart and his endorsements with Tostitos like he is a really marketable um rapper at this point so you can't just expect him to just stay in one place um and if being on AEW is going to continue his, you know, marketable reign out here in these streets, then they should just let him do that. But, you know, I hope WWE really isn't that petty enough to be angry at him for doing that. But, you know, I just hope they kind of just let that go and just let him do him because Snoop Dogg is going to always do him. He's always done that and he always will do that. So leave the D-O-double-G alone. <laughs> anyway... And into some sad news, um, a professional wrestler who passed, there was an actor and a professional wrestler who passed away on Thursday. His name was Tom, was Tommy Tiny Lister. Um, he was famously known for playing Debo in the Friday movies with Ice Cube and Chris Tucker. And he passed away on Thursday and um, law enforcement was called to the scene of his home um, in Marina Del Rey, California, just before 3 p.m. Um, after there was a call regarding an unconscious male. Um, his manager, Cindy Cowan, revealed that he had displayed symptoms of COVID-19 in recent days and that he was working on a film but had to cancel shooting as a result of feeling ill. Um, and he was pronounced dead at the scene. So they have yet to, the coroner has yet to reveal a cause of death for him, but we wish, um, his family and his manager, and of course his friends, you know, thoughts and prayers, you know, and good vibes sent to them. Definitely. Um, he has ties to wrestling, like I mentioned before, because he was, he was featured in the 1989 wrestling film, No Holds Barred, that WWE financed, um, to feature Hulk Hogan in the film and he starred as Zeus. So following the film, he took the gimmick into the WWE, which was a WWF at the time. Um, and he was Zeus, the human wrecking machine. And as a part of the storyline, he wanted to defeat Hulk Hogan in the ring since Hogan's character came out victorious in the movie. And then he also ended up forming a tag team with Macho Man Randy Savage, and they faced off with Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake at SummerSlam in 1989. And Hogan and Beefcake wound up winning with Hogan um, pinning Zeus to win the match for his team. And he was, and um, 
Mr. Lister was had appeared on WCW as Z Gangster. And he also um, appeared in several high profile movies, including The Dark Knight, The Fifth Element and Zootopia. And um, as I also mentioned on my Facebook, if you follow me there, that the first time I actually ever saw him in a movie was One Night with the King, which was a biblical movie about Queen Esther. And he played a eunuch to the king. And I thought that was really interesting because that was the first movie I actually ever saw him in and not a um, and not a Friday movie because I saw Friday my freshman year in college. So that which is also something that a lot of people try to, you know, rib me about. But hey, it's whatever. That's just how I saw the movie. Um, and Ice Cube, the person who created the um, Friday movie franchise, tweeted and said, rest in peace, tiny Debo Lister, America's favorite bully, was a born entertainer who would pop into character at the drop of a hat, terrifying people on and off camera, followed by a big smile and a laugh. Thank you for being a good dude at heart. I miss you already. So we wish um, we wish him a great transition. And I hope that wherever he went, um, it was a peaceful, you know, journey towards there. And I hope that he continues to spread love and light um, with his spirit. And to end the news and gossip segment, we have Vince McMahon being rumored to throw a fit about Keith Lee and Otis's abilities in the ring as big men. Um, this was something that sort of caused a real uproar on social media um, in the sense that people were saying that Vince McMahon reportedly threw a fit, you know, in regards to the work of big men on the main roster. And they name dropped Keith Lee and Otis as the main two. And they were ma- and they, it was reported that they were mandated to undergo two training classes per week at the Performance Center taught by Drew Gulak and Adam Pierce. Now. Um, they also stated that it was Dabakato who was um, put into it. Also, and also Retribution member Mace and almost AJ Styles' um, seven-foot bodyguard. And this was kind of interesting seeing as Keith Lee has been featured on television multiple times, you know, on the main roster. And he's been able to sort of, you know, get some clean wins in terms of him beating Randy Orton at Payback this year. And his success on the main roster with that feud. But then at the same time, he also hasn't been able to um, lose really clean because there's been lots of DQs. But that's not any fault of him, but mostly of the fault of the booking. And you could argue that it was made to continue to help him look strong because he hasn't really taken like a full on loss loss like that. But at the same time, there's still some speculation that they might not be completely sold on him. Because even on the WWE 24, when you saw Vince McMahon talking to Keith Lee, he was telling him, like, you have to make me believe it. And even though that's true, a part of me just can't figure out what is it about Keith Lee that can't make you believe in him. This is a man who can move like a cruiserweight, even though he looks like a heavyweight. Like, he can hit a spirit bomb, like, that feels powerful and looks like it would shake an entire room and not just the ring. So for the life of me, I don't understand what is it that's so hot and cold you know, about somebody like a Keith Lee, you have a bona fide star there. Why are you trying so hard to micromanage him? Leave him alone. And then I'm also wondering what could be wrong with Otis because he's done absolutely nothing but great character work throughout this entire year with him and Mandy, him possibly getting stabbed, getting stabbed in the back by his former partner, Tucker, him and the Miz going back and forth over the money in the bank, you know, case. And like, 
I just don't understand what is it about them that was so wrong if this is true. Um, but I figured, but to me, I figured the way that maybe this will be all proven wrong is if they're still on television on the main roster. Um, cause there were a lot of people who saw it as a demotion, but you're never, it's, you know, it's never wrong to go back and improve on some things and tweak some things in order to get better. But I don't necessarily see it as a demotion, but at the same time, I do wonder what is it about them that was so wrong because I just didn't see what was wrong. But then again, I'm only a fan and not really, you know, a wrestling, um, guru like say Vince McMahon is who's or somebody who's in the business who's been running this business for like umpteen years so yeah I just hope they're able to pull it all together and continue to succeed on the main roster so that's all this going on in the world of professional wrestling and news and gossipish and now we're going to go to our convert to my conversation with the incredibly beautiful and amazingly talented Miranda Morales Hello? Hello. Hey, Miranda. Hi, Stephanie. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. Just, you know, enjoying uh, the day and uh, just trying to get a few things done. But I'm really, I'm really excited to talk with you. Thank you so much for the invitation. Oh my gosh. Thank you for uh, coming on my show. Like, this is so great. I'm so excited to talk to you, you know, on this um, platform in this way. Um, So I'm just going to start by (laughs) asking you what I ask all of my guests. And that's when did you fall in love with wrestling? Oh, I fell in love with wrestling when I was probably about 10 years old. Um, I was in elementary school i remember uh it being after school and i was kind of you know going through the channels and all of a sudden um i just ended up on an episode of wcw nitro and i just remember the grandeur of it all with the big crowds and the wrestlers coming down the ramp and uh the action happening in the ring and i just remember just being so entranced by it all like it was just so fascinating um to see all of that come together in such a big spectacle um and then not too long after that i i found monday night raw and just the fact that there was two shows on the same night that had the same content but it being kind of different too like made me fall in love with it because I was flipping back and forth between channels because I just couldn't get enough of products were giving me and I just knew from that point on like this was going to be something I would watch for a long time you know it's funny that you mentioned the whole flipping back and forth thing because it's almost kind of full circle now because now it's like now more than ever i'm pretty sure that's happening with a lot of wrestling fans they're flipping back and forth between wwe and AEW, and it's just (laughs) it's exactly a repeat of what happened in sort of in the past except it's on a different night you know with nxt and AEW, and then also um it reminds me of my dad and how he used to have to tape um monday night raw and nitro Mm -hmm. because he'd have to work on some mondays so he would literally like tape them he had like a whole stack of videotapes at our house full of full of episodes and i didn't understand what was happening at the time because i was a child so i was just kind of like 
why are you flipping this back and forth? <laughs> you know, I didn't understand the concept of the war until I got much older. And I was like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> and you make a good point. It looks very different now, though. Like, you know, kids uh, now or teenagers or just anyone, the, the wars look different because of, you know, modern technology, too, where people can uh, DVR it or watch it later. And so there's a lot more flexibility where um, in the 90s, it did feel like a do or die. Like, if I miss this, I will not see it again or you know and even then the internet wasn't as big on wrestling news uh, and speculation too so even then you didn't really have uh, an additional source of news to be like what happened other than like your friends or you know like what what happened so it felt and maybe just looking back on it as a kid it felt like more suspenseful like more I have to do this I have to watch both I have to know what's going on and now you know anything a, a bit from spoilers or you know you record one and watch the other whatnot but i i do see myself doing that on wednesdays absolutely just during the both shows going back and forth and just kind of seeing peeking in what the other one is doing um because i i'm always wanting to to know like what's happening in that moment um and who's capturing my attention right at that second yeah it's really interesting how that's happening now and just how it sort of ties in with the past and it's just everything has a tendency to come back up you know like nothing is truly ever that new under the sun so i want to ask you what exactly made you want to pursue um using your voice in wrestling in the various ways in which you use it yes uh that i think it's a little bit of what i've always done as far as communications and public speaking i've always done that in some capacity um, I got my bachelor's in communications and I didn't know what I wanted to, what I wanted to do with it. I just knew that I've always felt comfortable speaking in front of people, whether it's in presentations or interviews or speeches. And I've always been drawn more to the commentary announcing side of wrestling. When I first started to watch wrestling, I was always more enthralled with the storytelling aspect of it. And I felt like the commentators and announcers and interviewers played such a big role in that. Um, so, for example, in WCW, having, you know, Bobby the Brain Heenan, Heenan and Tony Schiavone and Mike Tanay, that trio was like, you know, the, the very first commentary team I ever listened to but then on Raw with JR and the King that dynamic and especially the way J JR called matches really felt to me like that was the strong connection I had with wrestling and so I always liked that aspect I always you know was comfortable in you know, speaking in public, but it didn't really come together until a few years ago when I was living in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and the local wrestling promotion over there, Destiny Wrestling, um, was looking for people in different roles and different capacities. And for me, it was kind of like a dream come true to, to do something I've always seen on TV, but actually be that person. So I kind of jumped ahead and said, hey, how would you, you know, how can I help? What can I do? And so when I told them a little bit about my background and, and how I got into wrestling, they said, all right, do you want to start with backstage interviewing? So that was my very first role was a backstage interviewer um, with Destiny Wrestling. Um, and it was just something I, I literally got thrown into. Like one night I showed up and they said, OK, here are your interviews. Uh, and uh, 
I loved it so much because it was so fun to interact with the wrestlers. And again, I felt like I was able to help tell part of the story. And that to me, actually being a part of it was fascinating and, and amazing. A few months after that, uh, my role evolved into ring announcing and I started to announce some of the matches during the shows. And I was really fortunate where I had a little bit more of an ease with that. Um, Adam Merrick, who was the commissioner and ring announcer for Disney Wrestling was a huge help for me and helped guide me through that process, but also just studying and, and looking at different announcers and kind of just recollecting a bit too of my memory as a kid, you know, who I wanted to study. Um, and anywhere from Howard Finkel to Lillian Garcia to Justin Roberts to um, Melissa Santos, those were all people that at one point in time has kind of influenced my uh, announcing style. And then a few years ago, it evolved into podcasting. I, I met my, my good friend, Greg DeMarco, who runs thecheershot.com. He invited me to be on one of his podcasts and I just never left. And that's another thing I do. You just invite me somewhere and I just never leave. And that's how <laughs> I, I stuck around with wrestling and podcasting. And it's evolved to work with other websites like uh, Big Gold Belt Media and Lucha Central. And so it really has been an evolution. I, I have to say, if anything, I think in a lot of things in life, you start in one place and you just evolve and grow into different roles and opportunities. Okay, that's really interesting. So you basically started with backstage interviewing first, which transitioned into ring announcing, and then you did podcasting and that yes. works. Uh-huh. Okay, so... You did mention how the first um, promotion you connected with was Destiny Wrestling, you said in New Mexico? Yes. Okay, so would, would you mind telling telling me or telling us a little bit more about um, them and how, and how they welcomed you into the fold? Yeah, I think you'll appreciate this. So I actually, I, I went to one of their shows um, earlier uh, before I actually got to know the promotion itself and it was the first independent wrestling show I'd ever been to. I had only gone to WWE house shows and I've been to Raws and Smackdowns, but I'd never been to an independent wrestling show. So for me, it was really exciting because I felt way more connected to what was happening because it's a very, it's a much smaller environment. Now you really don't know who's in the ring. It takes time to get used to it, but at the same time, just like in wrestling, whether you're watching it on TV or in the independent scene, there's people you automatically connect with, with one way or another, whether it's their look, their attitude, their music. And so with Destiny Wrestling, everything about it clicked for me. You know, the the characters, the wrestlers, the matches, um, they are a little bit more hardcore in some of their matches. So that to me, again, as a 90s kid, like I've got, I was totally... Uh, interested in that but I, I actually got to meet the promoters and some of the wrestlers at um, a comic-con um, that they had a booth there and they were there promoting the promotion and they were having a show coming up soon and at that time they were also um, you know promoting some opportunities they had so I when I saw their booth I was like I gotta go up to them I gotta let them know you know I'm a fan so I did and we started to talk and they mentioned hey we're looking for some people who want to work with our organization um, 
if you're interested, shoot us an email. So uh, I just knew at that moment I had to, you know, I mean, sometimes in life, you know, kind of things happen by coincidence or just timing. And for me, it was one thing to go to their show and watch it, but to literally just, you know, be told like, hey, you should work with us. It was like, well, you know, what do I got to what do I got to lose? I had no idea what I was getting into and I had no idea what it was going to lead to. But for me, um, being able to actually be at a show and then get to meet the people behind the scenes a bit made me feel so comfortable. And they're just that is my home promotion. A lot of people talk about what they consider home and destiny wrestling will always be my home, always be my first love, because it was truly a magical time where they had such a great environment and great people there was people who were willing to help me learn and uh get, get me involved and um i think in general that's any any place that you work that kind of environment always makes you want to work harder and do better and that place always felt so encouraging and inviting but also a, a place that made me want to push harder and do more because of seeing everybody go out there and kill it every show. And so I will always look at Destiny Wrestling Organization as my first love, my home. Unfortunately, uh, they're no longer active. They stopped running shows almost about two years ago. Um, they were active for uh, almost 11 years, I think, um, in Albuquerque and in the New Mexico area. And it's definitely left a big hole. The wrestling fans in New Mexico are like no other. They are so amazing and open and funny and caring. And again, I think I got spoiled there. Though fans, uh, you know, wrestling fans everywhere are amazing. Uh, I've, I've had nothing but great interactions. Again, there's always something romantic about your first, you know, the, the first show <laughs> yeah. you announce, the first promotion you work with, you know. I had a lot of my first with Destiny Wrestling Organization, including, you know, some of my first fan interactions. And it will always have a really special place in my heart for for the rest of my life I can't I'm not, I wouldn't be here today I don't think I'd even had would have thought about working for other promotions if I hadn't had such a positive experience with Destiny Wrestling well that's a beautiful way um to remember them of course you know you always like you say you never forget the first experience you have with wrestling and I'm really glad that they were able to you know foster a sense of education for you and help yeah. you learn and grow into who you are now um I hate that they don't exist anymore wow I know yeah um, New Mexico's very tricky uh with wrestling it is a licensed sport there and it's involved with the state commission and I don't know if you live in a state that requires licensing and stuff but it's tricky and it's expensive and so that's it's been a disappointing aspect about uh you know, New Mexico, especially because for being in the West Coast, it's one of the smaller populated states that, you know, whenever you have something really successful and good that thrives there, it benefits not just, you know, your community, but it benefits businesses. You know, I think it's so hard sometimes for people to look at independent wrestling as a business, um, mm -hmm. but it does foster so many positive things in the community. And it was sad that, it, you know, the state just handles it in a different way. But, you yeah, and it happens, you know, wrestling promotions, they come and they go, but that one is and always will be very special. I hope one day, you know, they have uh, either it's a big reunion show or a one-off. I mean, 
again, I, I know there's a fan base there. I know there's a rabid active fan base that would love for it to see a return. So uh, if, if there's anything that I know about it, that there's a possibility one day for, for it to come back, even in a one-off environment. But, uh, you know, I think that's also just a hard part about independent wrestling, especially now. You know, it, it takes a lot of work and time. And sometimes the state environment, as far as the regulations, don't always aren't always conducive for it to to be sustainable yeah okay so i kind of want to well i want to ask you um how well you basically said that um your independent wrestling scenes basically treats you like you know like you're at home and all that so i kind of want to ask you you know do you have like a strong fan base where you are you know, have has any fan ever come up to you and say and said, you know, any nice things about you or something like that? Like, what do you have a fan base? Yeah, I, I would say I do. It, it definitely is a fun one. I remember one of my very first fun signs that I saw some fans have in New Mexico was I mentioned Adam Merrick, who was the um commissioner and also one of the other ring announcers for destiny wrestling and some fans had put a sign together that had miranda morales greater than adam eric and it was the first sign i had ever seen for me but it was also really kind of fun and you know i mean they everyone just took it very lightheartedly um but that was the first time i felt like i made it when i actually had someone made a sign for me um (laughs) so that was really that was really fun um and in arizona the fans have been great there's a, a really dedicated fan base of uh, of a group of fans that come to a variety of wrestling shows and over the past few years I've built a, a really great connection with them um, and it, it's been you know a, an honor with Larry and Dustin and Andre uh, the, they're kind of you know the, the main uh, three but there's also uh, an immense amount of other fans that they are just dedicated to their Arizona wrestlers and personalities period so they come to shows a lot and they'll yell and scream and uh, they'll, they'll cheer for me which is great and then here in Tucson there's a lovely fan by the name of Joyce who specializes in making um, very glittery artistic signs and uh, I've posted her a few times on my social media. She always makes this glittery sign for me that says Miranda, sassy and classy. And I love it Aww. because it is just so, it's such a pretty decorated um, sign. She spends a lot of time on making signs for a lot of the wrestlers and personalities and talent. And so the fact that she would even spend a minute making a sign for me is always great. So yeah, there's some really great fans and they all show their fandom in different ways whether it's making signs or yelling and screaming or just saying that you're great um it's a really awesome feeling to feel connected to you know the people who come to the shows because they do take the time and energy and money to spend it with with you and to spend it with the the wrestlers and so anytime they have you know they just they say something nice to me it means a lot because they didn't have to do that they didn't have to come but they did Mm -hmm. because they wanted to 
Well, that's great that you have a fan base like that that's willing that's willing to do things like make signs for you and say all kinds of nice things about you. That is really amazing because um, you just never know exactly, you know, who you're touching when you're doing stuff like right. that. So that's great. Yeah. So I want to switch gears and sort of ask you um, if your career has been affected at all by the worldwide pandemic. Yes, it has. And I talked a bit about the evolution of my career earlier, and that definitely has been uh, evolving due to the pandemic and some good and and some bad. Um, This year, I was really trying to get more into, I guess, the reporting and and somewhat journalistic aspect of of wrestling. Um, That was something I was really interested in um, because uh, back in January, I went to Dallas uh, for Impact Wrestling's Hard to Kill um, as part of the the media uh, group that was invited to, to be there um, for the chairshot.com and I got to meet people from all the other different uh, wrestling news websites and that part really interested me um, as, uh, as a podcaster that I wanted to kind of delve more into that side and I had plans to go and see ROH and try and do media there and, and, and hopefully continue stuff with impact uh, on the media side. But then the pandemic hit and nobody was running wrestling shows anymore and no one's doing kind of media um, or at least in-person media calls or media um, events. And so that really kind of threw that off uh, off scale because that was a huge goal that I really wanted to pursue that I just wasn't able to anymore. But Um, It did grow some opportunities in podcasting. Uh, While I was in Dallas, I met Najir Chambers from Big Gold Belt Media, and we really hit it off. And he asked, hey, do you want to join me in doing my Impact Wrestling review um, every week? And I said, sure. And and ever since then, um, we've been churning those out every Tuesday. Um, and that's, a, you know, wrestling as a community is great. Um, and it's not just as wrestlers or as fans, but through other roles in wrestling, you can meet and, and connect with amazing people. Um, and then Lucha Central came uh over the summer where they were looking for uh, someone to help co-host the Lucha Central weekly podcast in English. And so uh, my name came into the fold and I got involved in Lucha Central. So that's how now I have so many podcasts in one week, but they're all really great websites. I, I, I love them. I respect them. And they're all fairly different too, which is what was important to me. I didn't want to do anything very repetitive throughout my week. And I certainly don't feel like I did. So um, in opportunities related to some original goals that I had, um, had, had changed and, and went away. But in others, um, with the pandemic, it has allowed me to explore more podcasting opportunities and partnership opportunities with different websites and I've gotten to do way more with podcasting than I ever imagined. So it's definitely been a a bit of a blessing in disguise, but, um, you know, I'm just rolling along with it because, you know, you never know what's going to happen. And so I just try to appreciate every episode and and every day um, as, you know, a learning opportunity and just a way to continue to express my love and fandom of, of wrestling. Yeah, if it's anything that this year has taught me, I know personally, and it feels like a, a lot of people universally is basically how to um, adapt to adverse circumstances. Because mm-hmm. it's just, you just never know exactly what could change or anything that could just, you know, you know, blow up your world in a blink of an eye. So it's sort of like we've sort of learned how to 
become flexible more flexible with what is thrown at us now and I think that's a good way to be because otherwise you know if you just think everything's going to stay the same then life has a way of you know throwing you a curveball and saying you huh and telling to you huh it's not going to stay the same um (laughs) so but it's a good it's a good lesson to learn so I completely you know get that and it's good to know that you've been able to adapt to the circumstances that everyone's sort of facing right now so as a backstage interviewer have you do you pre-plan um what questions you ask the um superstars or do you go off the cuff uh, I would say I do a little bit of both. It one, it depends on how. Hey, Miranda. Yes. Hey. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh uh, no, it's okay. Um. So I'll just so. Um, you were saying that you you were saying that it's a little bit of both when you talk to the stars. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of it will just depends on the promotion itself, how they want it to be set up. Um, some will already kind of have some outlines as to what you know, um, what really what they want out of the interview. Um, but sometimes there's definitely wrestlers who have kind of a a mind of their own and have a vision as to what they want to do with the interview. So I really try and go with the flow. I kind of think of it a bit as backwards. So what is the ultimate goal of the interview? Uh, Is it to promote a match? Is it to help fuel a rivalry? Is it just to kind of showcase maybe someone new to the promotion? Um, You know, what is the end goal? And then I think, okay, what kinds of questions can I ask to help get there? Uh, But sometimes too, and I do this, I don't, and some of it I think is just me being weird, but I uh, sometimes when I go through multiple takes, I'll ask the same question, but I'll kind of tweak it every time. I'll, I'll ask it slightly differently. Um, and I think one is just to kind of give an original flair to it so that way it doesn't feel too rehearsed. And sometimes I'm also just playing around with my words, trying to get a sense of, you know, do I like this wording better than what I said previously? Um, I think I'm always tweaking things, even if it's in, you know, right in the middle of an interview. So um, it's been a little bit of both. I think some of the better ones have been the ones that you just kind of go in cold and you kind of see what happens. A lot of that, you just have to be flexible and you just kind of have to, um, you know, see where it takes you. I I remember doing one recently um, with uh a tag team jb doll and parada and i remember it was the third take and it was one where we kept kind of going back and forth and the the first few takes weren't quite what we wanted but the third take that we just kind of did things a little differently and unexpectedly that we nailed it and those are kind of the the moments where you feel like okay you know, you, you really do have it in you, especially when you're just trying to find a good rhythm or um, a, a good uh, sound clip or sound bite, really, um, that at the end of the day, you know, would go great on TV or on social media. So I think it's always good to plan in mind the end game. What are you trying to get out of it? But sometimes how you get there could be totally random or different every time. And you just kind of go with the flow. 
okay because it's like I know whenever I'm watching wrestling and I see the interviewers you know backstage or whenever the commentators do the interviews for um for a wrestler who say for instance is like on via satellite I just wonder you know do they just you know know what exactly they're gonna ask them you know all the way through or do they just you know go off of you know the knowledge that's just in their head and then they just ask so yeah it's really cool I, to know that it's I, a little yeah. bit of both though I think it I think for the most part it is. I think when you look at say a WWE, I would imagine it's probably a little bit more to a script. Yeah. Um especially for uh again, um maybe some of the newer interviewers or broadcasters um and, and when you're doing it on TV compared to say if they are filming something special for the network or um, for social media, where I think that is a little bit less rehearsed or uh, scripted. Um, but I'm sure also in other promotions too, um, even your impacts and your AEWs, there's I think an element of, okay, these are the bullet points, but they kind of let you know whoever's on the mic uh, kind of guide that. And, and you think too about the veterans like, um, you know, uh, in AEW, you do have like uh, Tony Schiavone. He's doing a lot of the interviews. You know, I mean, he could, I'm sure, do it in his sleep. Um, where you still have some people say in NXT that are a little bit newer um, that maybe. And, and maybe NXT is different now that I think about it because it is NXT compared to Raw. Um, but uh, maybe Caleb Braxton's interviews are a little bit more scripted. Um, just because of you know that's the format of WWE. But I'm sure. In each interviewer, though, you throw in a little bit of your personality too. I think that is what is the all like the end goal is that you can still do an interview with structure, but be able to showcase your own personality and nuances as an interviewer, whether it's your tone, whether it's even your nonverbal cues, you know, how you deliver a question, how you respond to a question. Um, all those things, like those are little nuances that can really help in an interview that um, really aren't scripted. That as an interviewer, you decide that, you determine that, um, and sometimes can actually really play up and, and help an interview be that much more impactful. Okay. So do you ever have a hard time keeping up with what's going on at every promotion that you cover? Oh, Yes all the time every every week <laughs> yes <laughs> that's a guy because there's so much content and and again because i do multiple podcasts and they all have different focuses it is very challenging to keep up to to date on everything that's going and to be honest i am not up to date on every single thing um i feel very fortunate that well one i think it's this almost you learn to live with what you know and what maybe you don't know and knowing that as a fan like I think we all have um you know promotions that are kind of just more our go-to and more that we watch than than others um and we're not necessarily the experts in it but that you know you at least know a little bit about what's going on um that's especially vital for the lucha central podcast we are a trio and we kind of divide and conquer promotions as we report them so that helps a lot that when we plan our show and we actually do um a review of, of shows we know who's 
covering what. Um, even though we all try and watch as much as we can, when it comes to Wednesday nights, I'm actually leaning more towards watching NXT because I know I have to report on that the next day. So that's where I stick more with NXT. Not that I think or I don't like AEW, is I know that when you know Thursday comes around and I have to record for Lucha Central, I'm responsible for NXT. So that's where my focus is on that night. Um, same thing with um, Impact. You know, I use that as, as double duty for Big Gold Belt Media and Lucha Central. And, and even now, people um, on different podcasts and in general have kind of helped associate me with Impact because they know that is a, a promotion I, I watch regularly and talk about regularly. So it's not a bad thing to not keep up with everything um and in some ways it's not a bad thing to be known as a fan of one promotion or two promotions um it's so much content out there and for me too like it's just hard to keep up with it so i, I try to do my best but i also try not to overwhelm myself with so much and leave you know that to other people to know hey i have other co-hosts and other people who are really knowledgeable on roh or mlw um or wwe and let them be the experts let them teach me um because in that way i learn from my peers but also i'm not literally watching wrestling 20 four hours a day yeah i think that's one of the biggest challenges for me going forward now is the fact that um over the past week everyone was talking about the crossover which i will ask you about a little bit um with aw and impact tonight like i actually or you know by the time this podcast this interview is is up it will be tuesday and it's just i want to be able to be you know smart in all aspects of wrestling and it's just sometimes I don't want to watch you know so much wrestling at a time to the point where it just right. feels like it consumes my entire life yeah but they're making it exactly. hard they're making it hard because they're yep. making you want to watch everything that's going on so you can always you know it'll they'll make it interesting that way and then you can always know what's happening because it's always so interesting and for me mm -hmm. my show is sort of centered on WWE with a hint of AEW here and there um, but at the same time, now, you know, it's just, I want to be able to cater to a lot of different fans at a time. So now I'm actually in a place where I can watch Impact and AEW now, and it's, you know, even more interesting along with the WWE aspect. But I struggle with only having one day in the week where I don't watch wrestling. <laughs> so right. it, it literally is. And that's, you know, and that's on a good week, you know, that's if you watch everything on time and there's no added specials and extras because even on weekends, so like, we just had war games this coming Saturday, December 12th. I know for me is literally try split because uh, we have uh, Impact Wrestling will have uh, a final destination. Uh, we're not final. Uh, is it, no, it's not final destination. That's how you know uh, you have all of your wrestling and terminology mixed up when I'm like, no, that's a movie title. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have to look it up. Uh, uh, anyways, but you have a Impact Wrestling event. You have um, a Triple Mania from Triple A that's happening, which is one of the biggest Lucha Libre events happening um, all year, and that's what I'm, I'm helping covering for Lucha Central. And then I have a wrestling show that I'm announcing for 
um, that night as well. So I'm literally trying to figure out and how to juggle. How do I watch these stuff while also preparing and announcing for uh, a show? Um, and it's final resolution. Final resolution from Impact Wrestling is this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it's moments like that too, where you have shows stacked on top of shows and special events and all these, re- you know, that makes it way hard to keep up with with all of that. And I completely understand where you're coming from and where you're at with wanting to cater to a wide audience of fans. Um, And I think it's always about finding what about those other promotions are unique and what makes you a fan of them. Because so many people complain about WWE and what they do and don't do. And, you know, a lot of people do like AEW, but there's things about, you know, their product and delivery that aren't always super clean or you know, have room for improvement. And so instead of complaining, I always advocate, find something that you like in another promotion because there are really, I mean, there's an unlimited amount of promotions. And now that everyone's kind of revving back up, at least to do online content, you can find wrestling every single day of the week now. There's something out there for everyone. And, you know, like, it just allows you to find some of the better things in wrestling that fit you as a wrestling fan. Um, and, and so, and that too, I think makes it a lot easier to talk about other promotions in wrestling news when you can find the good aspects about each promotion. And there may be things you don't like, um, but I think that there's things about each wrestling promotion out there that make them unique and actually make it interesting to watch. Yeah. So with everything that you do, like, how do you find that work-life balance? Uh, I don't. I'm not the greatest at work-life balance. And I mean that um, some of it is, is kind of blocking off time. Um, for me, I try and dedicate only about two days a week to podcasting. Um, and Tuesdays are, are pretty heavy podcasting day. But for me, kind of consolidating it all into one day allows me to use other days of the week to um you know, get other things done and have a little bit more of that work-life balance. Um, I also will leverage, you know, weekends when I have them free to record, especially for, for special products and other days of the week. So I am learning how to spread some things out. Um, and also I have learned how to say no. And um, I've learned that you know, for me, I get really committed to projects and to podcasts with people that I trust and people that I, you know, believe in me and, and I believe in. So for me, um, it would be really easy to get kind of out of control with all this um, be, if, if you said yes to everything. But um, it's it's something, too, where you have to learn how to choose your opportunities and choose um, your moments wisely because at the end of the day, there's so much more to, to life than just this. And um, as much as I love doing it, it, it can also be a lot when you're doing multiple podcasts a week and you're watching hours of, of wrestling a week on top of, you know, things uh, for now picking up with, announcing and interviewing for shows so um, I think it's really about you know looking at your opportunities and selecting them and looking at your schedule and blocking out time and um, really looking at things and seeing like what is the right thing for me and you know visibility is important and wanting to get out there and taking other opportunities is always a great way to get out there but is it worth 
time that you could be spending doing something else um especially if it means you know time away sometimes from wrestling or from tv or from you know social media which that too i'm trying to learn how to do a little bit more of i think it's so easy to be drawn to what's happening on social media whether you're you know looking at news or events or um wrestlers or content and all of that but sometimes it's important just to take a step back even if it's for a few hours so that way you don't get too overwhelmed or or like you said about you know show too burnt out on having wrestling every every day of the week right well what has been your favorite rest your favorite interview as a podcaster so far Uh, My favorite interview as a podcaster has to be uh, one that we did earlier this year with LuchaCentral.com with Lindsay Dorado. Um, That is one I never thought I would interview an active WWE wrestler. And uh, we got the opportunity to interview him as part of um, a launch, his new t-shirt. It was a Lucha house party t-shirt that was in collaboration with Urban Aztec, um, Jesse Hernandez, who is an amazing artist who specializes in graphic art that's very influenced by the Mayan um, uh, kind of Indian type of, of heritage and style, but also a little bit more in the urban art too. So the Urban Aztec you know, points. Um, but he had a, a t-shirt that launched with Urban Aztec, which is, you know, a, a good partner with Lucha Central. And so we got the opportunity to interview him and he was just so nice and so easy to talk to. And someone that I see on TV all the time that I never thought I would interview. But I mean, he is uh, someone who is incredibly talented as a wrestler, as a luchador, someone who's just so artistic in his design. I mean, he makes a lot of his own masks, um, but also someone who's just a good person. You know, he's a former teacher, and so he spends a lot of time just understanding that he could be a role model to kids and families. And, you know, he has a lot of fun with his Twitch channel, and there's so just many cool things about his career and his life, um, and just being a good representation of Lucha Libre and WWE which we don't always have so for me just to be able to express that to him and and hear that from him as well was definitely one of the coolest things and I did a quick intro for him I usually do the intros of our guests and he enjoyed it so much that you know he was kind of just gleaming of how nice of an introduction I I gave him and it was like all of the good things in the world aligned in that moment to be like wow I just he said like man if I could hear that all the time I was like I you want me to record it you can have it as your ringtone like I don't care like whatever I need to do so that way you can hear it all the time because it was just a big compliment that someone again who's actively wrestling for WWE and, and has for a long time just kind of liked an introduction that I gave him was was very like even now I get flustered just thinking about it it's like oh my gosh that actually happened that is so cool like I actually love Lince Dorado I've actually liked him ever since I saw him during the Cruiserweight um, tournament that they had and then on 205 Live like he is so cool and I'm so glad you actually got to interview him that's amazing 
Yeah, yeah, no, say I've, I've admired his work for a long time. I mean, he's a fellow Puerto Rican, so I literally have an ongoing list in my mind of all the Puerto Ricans out there that I always want to shout out and give respect to. Um, and he's, uh, again, you know, someone who just, I, I love Lucha House Party, and I know that it kind of at first was a little gimmicky and a little funny and and maybe a little cheesy for some people, but it it's almost like the, you know, it was a weird comparison, but it's like the new day for Latinos, oh, you know? Wow. Like, I think, like, very cross from. I mean, just in a sense of, like, you know, having a trio of people that are very uplifting, well, not so much anymore because of, you know, the draft and things like that, but back in the day, it just was this, this kind of, you know, wonderful sense of, of luchadors coming together for a good time that were athletic, and, and I think those groups, like the New Day and Lucha House Party, transcend cultures and transcend age and so much, so uh, but I think it, especially for Latinos to have a lucha centric group like that was always something very cool that especially like younger kids could gravitate to so I've always had that analogy in my head and it's not necessarily meant to you know uh, say that they aren't inclusive I think both groups absolutely are but it's just a little different tone for um, I think Latinos who, who watch WWE and for me it was always something fun and quirky about them that I've always respected and it admired you know i really like the idea that you said that because i've never heard anyone you know actually come like well not i won't say compare but you know actually mention the parallels between those two factions at all yeah. i've never heard anybody say that at all but i think it's a really good you know parallel to make and it's like you said yeah you know, the example that they set for um for people of color like that. And and then even when you think of the New Day and what they do for people, you know, of color in terms of African American of the African and African American diaspora, it's just they're basically the same, they do the same thing. So I'm actually glad you mentioned that because I've never thought of that before. Well, I love how you mentioned that was the word I was looking for, a parallel. I think there's a lot of parallels between those two groups that, um, you know, made it so that people, I, I think, but you're absolutely right, too. I think with uh, cultural identity and, and ethnicity and nationality, it's always important to see that representation on TV. And I think that groups like Lucha House Party and The New Day really gave uh, people the opportunity to see aspects of different cultures. And, and it was just a really positive and uplifting way. Um, and, and I think especially for kids when you're watching, that's important. Mm -hmm. um, I know some people complain about WWE being too uh, drawn or, or too much of a product for kids. But that's where a lot of this starts. Yeah. Many of us who have been growing up watched as kids um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with having a product uh, especially characters or people geared towards kids because that's also where you see money flows you know it's the parents buying t-shirts and action figures and belts and toy all of these things for their kids and so I think it's great when you have really positive uplifting role models because true at the end of the day too these are like superheroes to these kids um, so to have you know positive role models 
models that they can look up to and it be wrestlers like why not that's a beautiful thing it really is like seriously people kind of underestimate the power that it has over kids but once once you watch something like that from your childhood on it sort of sticks with you like depending on who you are it definitely sticks with you you know because it's, it's just like how it stuck with me and how it stuck with you like it just sticks and then you'll never forget how it made you feel so yeah. all right so let me ask you where did the name where did the name queen of soft style originate from and what exactly does it mean because the first time I, yes. heard it, I thought it was I, you know, I think that's cool but I just I'm not sure what exactly it means and I have to ask you that now <laughs> that's fair that's a very fair assessment I have some people who are like what in the world does that mean and and it's really a very uh, innocent uh, origin story of the Queen of Soft Style uh, and again I have to credit you know my, my good friend Greg DeMarco um, he's been one who's come up with a lot of nicknames for me um, I've had some other nicknames that have uh, popped up over the years that I just I, I, I love because I love nicknames they're funny um, but the Queen of Soft actually came about um, when we would be uh, recording the Greg DeMarco show and it would be time to plug our t-shirts on prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot and there uh, was a whole variety of t-shirts that people could order and one of the special types of t-shirts you can order through them is soft style and it's a, just a different uh quality of t-shirt that's a little bit softer it's cotton but it's as a softer material and um it just is so comfortable to wear that i would always just think about like how nice a soft style t-shirt feels um on you during the during the day or to sleep in or whatnot and of course kind of his his smart aleck way he realized you know man you're such a, a fan of soft style t-shirts you are really the queen of, of soft style kind of a, a wordplay too out of uh you know strong style mm -hmm. uh, from japanese connotation so that's where the queen of soft style was born it was just me plugging t-shirts telling people to order soft style t-shirts because of how comfortable they are and how nice they are and it just grew into this this nickname moniker queen of soft style and i think because too i mean it's so uh paralleled so so similar to you know king of strong style um that too i think made it funny and overall i feel like i'm a soft person that i am uh someone who even though i'm loud i don't think i, I know for sure I'm, I'm not mean or abrasive i'm much more casual and kind of kind and so i kind of consider myself kind of a softy in, as my personality um so even when i get critical or critical things I'm always trying to you know give a silver lining kind of like a compliment sandwich you know I'll give a, something good something bad and then I end with something good because I'm I'm so not critical in those types of areas so I feel like too that's a play on me as a person but really at the end of the day what the queen of soft style is about is about letting people know about soft style t-shirts about you know treating yourself to a soft style t-shirt and just the joys of uh you know ordering uh t-shirts from different you know pro wrestlers or pro wrestling promotions um and if you have the option to get it in soft style do it because um it's very comfortable and relaxing you know that's a pretty sweet origin story <laughs> Like, that's a pretty sweet origin story you know the fact that it even has to do with clothing and it's so funny because I actually love t-shirts too like 
it takes a lot for me to not, you know, because even today when I was going out, like I put on a T-shirt, but then I had to change because it was freezing outside this morning. So it was just it just bugs me to even have to change out of T-shirts. Those are like my most like I feel like out of every piece of clothing I have, I have more T-shirts yeah. than I have anything else. And it's no, sad, no, but... I, I get it. And now, especially, <laughs> we live in a time where it's like comfort casual. Like, you know, many people wear T-shirts all, all day or when you go to the gym or when you go to the store. And yeah, I totally understand. I have uh, so many T-shirts and I've worn them now over more this year than I than I ever have. So uh, and now the list is growing, you know, and just now the T-shirt collection is growing. So uh you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. And as people in the wrestling community, whether you're a podcast or announcer or wrestler too, like your personal t-shirt collection grows, you know, and there's so many cool, fun designs that it's mm-hmm. now way harder to like stop. <laughs> I have, I've ordered way more pro wrestling and wrestling related t-shirts this year than I've ever had. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, with as many podcasts that I listen to and with many people that I connect to and love, the t-shirt collection is only going to get worse. So let's move on. (laughs) Um, So if given the opportunity, would you work for a mainstream promotion like WWE, Impact, AEW, or the like? I mean, the dream is, that's always the dream. You know, that's always like the mecca that is the top of, of, you know, Mount Everest. That is the pinnacle, I think, of everyone's career to work with a major promotion and that would absolutely be a dream i guess oddly enough for me though that's not the only dream i guess for me i look at it in such a wider scale that i think more even more of a realistic but even more of a a funner dream I, i would hope one day to be able to do this somewhere else like in another country to kind of take this and to do interviewing or announcing in a, in a different part of the world um whether that be with a mainstream promotion or not because for me um especially someone who has these like cultural aspects of wrestling it's always fascinating to me how different wrestling is in different countries and different cultures and that i think connects with me a little bit stronger um uh, as someone who's in wrestling both as a as a podcaster and as an announcer and interviewer um that would be kind of the the dream dream but i mean absolutely to ever have the opportunity to to work with any of those promotions um even you see mlw or ring of honor seeing how they all utilize interviewers and announcers in different capacities is amazing and um to to even that that was something that I did would be really like you talked about full circle, literally full circle, literally, you know, being a part of something that I watched as a little kid um, and being on on TV to now this new generation who will take, you know, all of our places um, in in wrestling fandom. I mean, that's that would be really the, the circle of wrestling life. Yes. I, I love how you ended it with the circle of wrestling <laughs> life. That's like my favorite. Yes, it just ever. it feels that way. Um, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. It's my favorite Disney movie ever. I love The Lion King. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and 
But it's real. No, though. it is. I mean, we talk about it right now about you know little kids. Like these are, are going to be the kids that in twenty years are going to be showing their kids. You know, we even see now a bigger surge of uh, wrestlers whose parents were wrestlers. You know, in that family lineage. Right. You know, I mean, and we see people who, you know, it's always, I think it's always interesting to see wrestlers as kids and they post pictures of like, you know, when they were, when they met a wrestler, you know, like I always love seeing Bailey's pictures when she was younger because, you know, she was, she used to go to all the shows. So like with Matt Hardy and John Cena, um, I think it was uh, Matt Ryder had a great picture with Scott Hall. Like literally you take a picture with someone and you don't know who they're going to be in 15, 20 years, but they could be in that same ring or they could be announcing, they could be interviewing, they could be a ref, they could be a producer. Like it's, it's, and it's what they see now that has that influence. And so um, it's that's always a fascinating aspect of wrestling to me, especially now um, seeing that more and just being, you know, a fan for as long as I have, seeing how much things have changed and now what fandom looks like compared to what it was back in the 90s. So it's going to continue to be a circle. And I think if we treat it with that kind of respect too, that's what helps with the longevity. There can be so much negativity as a wrestling fan that makes it challenging Mm -hmm. to interact with people uh, online because everyone has a difference of opinions, everyone has different interests, everyone views wrestling a little differently and that's totally okay. But when it becomes toxic and super negative and you know, almost insulting, it's like what are we, you know, why are we fighting? Why are we doing this? We are we are part of a community that only we understand because non-wrestling fans look at this and say what what's the big deal? It's fake. And so, you know, instead mm-hmm. of coming together and supporting each other as fans like sometimes i think it's so divisive because we're so we're much more focused on being right um instead of uh understanding different people's perspectives so um you know i think that that's important as we have this whole circle of wrestling life like we also teach these kids and these younger wrestling fans it's okay to like who you like it's okay to not like who you don't like um it's okay if, if one person likes wwe and another person likes AEW and another person likes mlw and another person you know like something else that's totally okay because they're all parts of the same wrestling world they're just you know different um aspects of it so but we got to teach younger fans to do that instead of teaching them how to you know hate right i agree with a hundred percent of everything that you just said amen um (laughs) so i want to ask you um bouncing off of that question who are some of your favorite wrestlers, past or present, and male, female, non-binary from any promotion? Wow. Well, I would say that kind of the big marquee names for me um, as a kid was, you know, Stone Cold, uh, The Rock, um, Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, DDP. You know, those were the people, Mick Foley, you know, those were people as kids Mm -hmm. that I really look up to um, for all various different reasons and mainly because of their personalities. There was something about their personalities that drew me to them. Um, uh, As a kid, I 
also as an adult too i also kind of like the darker side of wrestling and entertainment i like horror movies i like suspense and thrillers so personalities like the undertaker um and even sting drew i was drawn to them because i liked that as someone who liked entertainment uh, but then you have someone like stone cold who was just so real and visceral and just did whatever he wanted to do and was entertaining as you know um uh, as anybody and he definitely drew me to to watch every week but then you have someone like Mick Foley he was just a little bit more comical and more of an underdog and someone that nobody expected to get to his pinnacle and i've just always loved underdog stories as well i think um they fascinated me because you see someone grow and change as they go through these trials and tribulations and i think some of the best ways that those have, have been shown is through wrestling because you have a physical aspect to the storytelling that really you literally can see someone get beat down time and time and time again but every time they get up every time they get better and smarter and stronger and i just feel like that was mcfully's story forever and i just i that just gravitated me towards him as a fan um i think that too led me to be a big bailey fan back when she was babyface um her nxt story mm-hmm. was one of my favorite stories of all time her her rise to the championship and uh her match against Sasha at NXT Brooklyn was like probably one of my my top 5 favorite matches you know and i think it's because it encompassed storytelling and just a, a great match um that i just i was so drawn to her as someone who's had to you know i, I remember her promo saying like i'm tired of my friends and family coming to watch me and seeing me lose all the time like you that there was right. a shift in this in her character once she really started that full program with Sasha that she wasn't playing around and she went through she realized I need to beat uh Becky I need to beat um Charlotte I mean like she knew what she had to do to get to that level to prepare herself for um for for Sasha Banks. And so the storytelling even up to that match and during that match was one of my favorites because I really got a sense for her this felt like this is my moment. I have to do this or else everything that I've worked for will mean nothing. So I love those types of just deep rich storytelling characters. Well, I like just people who are flashy. Ty Valkyrie is one of my favorites that I've really grown to love over this year. In getting to learn and explore more about Lucha Libre and her work as a luchador and her story too. I mean, she just went on a whim to Mexico to train, not knowing anyone, and really made such a lasting impression with her dedication to the craft and the art of Lucha Libre. You know, became bilingual, like really embraced it uh, as a, a culture in a country that was just so foreign to her and i think it's completely defined her career in ways that that it's very challenging outside of i mean one of the other fewer big names like that is lita um but i think mm-hmm. even then we see a little bit more of that in taya because of of kind of more of her accomplishments in in triple a uh but also her style i mean just she has this fun flair that makes her so entertaining to watch and it's evolved a bit since you know um what she used to do in lucha underground and even when she first started in impact now i really see her as kind of a 
a lighter, funnier personality, but still with an attitude, a little bit of, you know, a mean girl, but still uh, comical and still someone who can kick ass. So uh, she's been someone that I've really loved. I really enjoy watching both her old stuff and then what she does on a weekly basis on Impact. Cool. So basically you just... If, I feel like you basically just ran the gamut of how many of like you were all over the place with how many wrestlers you like. And That's I love me. It. I'm all over the place. I'm I love it. All over the place. <laughs> like I love it so very much. Okay, so what is your opinion on the current state of wrestling? Um, even with you know WWE and even in the Indies and even in Impact and um, AEW with their crossover. Or basically where women's wrestling even is. Like just where what is your opinion on the state of wrestling and where do you see it going since there's a new year on yeah. the horizon? Um, I think it obviously it's, a, it's an exciting time and not just of the super recent development uh, of, of the past week, but I think in general, this has been a very trying time for professional wrestling. Um uh, on the larger scale with, you know, WWE, AEW, Impact, um, that have been pretty regular in their airings and, and filming. And then you see kind of a second tier of promotions that took some time off and are coming back now, like MLW and Ring of Honor. Um, and even the surge of something new, like um, the United Wrestling Network's uh, Primetime Live and their partnership with the NWA, I feel like wrestling promotions have had to kind of take a minute to strategize what is this new norm for us? What does this look like for us? And I feel like it's allowed for a lot of creativity with matches, cinematic matches has, has grown and that's a, one of my favorite types of matches in general. So I feel like a, as a fan of cinematic matches, this has been a great year for that. But also creative and fan bases, whether that's, you know, the concept of the Thunderdome to uh, having empty arena matches and shows and how that completely changes the dynamic of a wrestling show when you don't have an audience there or a limited audience. So I feel like this year has been a lot of pivoting and a lot of understanding you know who are we as a wrestling promotion when we don't have fans when we don't have mm -hmm. um the same ability to sh put on huge shows like wrestlemanias and survivor series and summer slams you know those marquee uh shows that thousands and thousands of people attended now you know is done in an empty arena or now in this case you know for wwe the thunderdome but i think it's really required everyone to look really hard about what product are they putting together every week and how is that translating i do think that the state of women's wrestling continues to grow and, and be strong i think nxt has the best women's division out there period um as as much as um i think there's strong women's wrestling really all over the world i feel like they produce such a great product every week and that their roster is stacked and strong and they really rely on their women to help even bookend episodes whether they are the first match or the main event they were really the pioneers too in, in having women main event shows and pay-per-views and their prominence in storytelling and their 
uh, prominence in the card. So NXT has been doing that for a long time, and it, it shows because they have, I think, the strongest women's division. But I think Impact Two is kind of that best well-known secret in wrestling. Their women's division is fantastic, and they've signed a lot of independent talent this year that has only added, you know. Uh, an immense amount of personality and and wrestling to their roster like Tasha Steeles, uh, Kimberly, uh, Diana Perrazzo. Um, you know, I, I think that those are all women, especially on the independent scene, that have worked incredibly hard and have the talent to go anywhere. And they found a really good place in, in Impact Wrestling. And I think that that show does a great job of um displaying them on a weekly basis with great wrestling um and they don't have a deep roster to do it so i've i've been very critical about aew and the lack of uh their women's division and the depth and the storytelling it's gotten a lot better um over the past few months but it's also because they had to bring someone outside of AEW like a Thunder Rosa to make things interesting um, so I think that too is kind of more of like I get where you're going with this it's great that there's a lot of partnership but ultimately you got to think about what that means for your division and growing your own and so that's just been something I've been very curious at but I mean I think the partnerships is is great I, I think as fans we are so ready to divide up the lines we talk about wednesday night wars like you know it's it's 1999 but in reality i think there's so much in general in entertainment that's so crossover heavy that we do want to see more collaboration between promotions when it when it works and when it's um ideal but uh also we like to see when things break down and it is you know, promotion versus promotion because that whole breakdown with WWF and WCW didn't really go as planned either. So everyone's kind of thinking, well, maybe they'll get it right this time. So I, there's so much, but I think it's a beautiful thing. It's a it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. There is so much content, so many promotions out there, so much fantastic wrestling. You know, women's wrestling is just growing to be a better and better product every month. That as a, as a fan, it makes me really proud to be in a time when women are getting uh, the visibility, the respect, and the recognition um, on a main stage every week. Okay. Now I have two more questions for you. Um, the first one is, do you have any words of wisdom for women seeking to enter the world of wrestling as a storyteller? <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's always just kind of going with your gut. Um, you, your gut will kind of guide you to the right opportunities and kind of let you know when the wrong ones are coming up or just you know people to seek advice from and maybe people to stay away from um and i think that's a general life lesson but in, in wrestling i think it's you know important to know that you can't do it alone you have to have you know the right group of, of people with you either as friends as mentors as trainers you know um take your time and do your research and kind of you know see you know what kind of uh people do you want as your support system as your team uh, but also you know don't be afraid to ask for for help and go with who you want to be i think too we do live in a time now where wrestling is more inclusive to different personalities different styles different cultures 
different orientations, so much. And so I think a lot of times people were afraid to be themselves. And now it really just seemed like the door is more open to be who you want to be. So think about, you know, who do you want to be? Um, and whether that's an extension of yourself or a completely different person. And it's okay to change your mind and play around with those things too. You don't, you know, nothing is set in stone. Um, that's the beautiful thing of wrestling. If you've seen, you know, the evolution of so many people, wrestlers, storytellers, they've had a whole evolution. So knowing that there's always growth, there's always going to be opportunities to change and evolve. So don't feel too stuck in one thing and also don't feel too discouraged when you think that maybe things aren't going the way as you planned because it's really an evolution. It really is a story. Things are going to evolve and so will you. That's great. That's, that's really great advice. So what does the future hold for you, Ms. Morales? That's a good question. <laughs> I really, I don't know. And that's because, um, you know, we've all come through this year with, you know, not really knowing what we're going to have almost on a day-to-day basis. And so I kind of feel like that is still what I look at to for 2021. I am not sure what... Uh, 2021 is going to hold. I hope I can continue to kind of find this balance between podcasting and announcing and and interviewing. Um, Right now, there's not a lot of promotions that are running in my area. Um, A lot of them were kind of starting back up again in the fall, but because of the the pandemic situation happening and with uh, upticks and cases, a lot of them have kind of gone back down for a while. So uh, outside of this weekend, I likely won't be announcing any shows for quite some time. but I, then that kind of leaves me more room for, for podcasting. I want to continue the partnerships I have with the, the websites that I work with and want to take those to the next level. What that looks like, I'm not entirely sure, uh, but I want to continue to work with some of my great co-hosts and great teams. I want to continue to produce some fun content. I want to help, you know, help fans feel like they have a place in wrestling, no matter what that looks like and no matter where their fandom lies, hopefully. Hopefully, you know, I'm doing something that resonates with them and just continuing to meet amazing people. That's one thing this year has taught me and has allowed me to do is meet some amazing people, whether it's podcasters, wrestlers, fans, um, and it's made this year go by that much better because I found a lot of great people who are just amazing at what they do and that I learn from and I get to really admire and see very much like you. So I um, am just so uh, honored to have met you and to just get to see you do your thing every week. And uh, I hope that I get to meet more people who are doing the same thing. And that way I can learn from them and also uh, be there to, to support them whenever they need it. Well, I can truly say it's been an honor to have you on my show and it's been an honor to have you in my life, especially as I've been learning, you know, everything with this new avenue because it's just, I've always known wrestling, but I've never known the idea of telling stories before. 
and this was kind of just a risk and I was just like oh, I'm gonna try it and then boom and <laughs> I just didn't expect you know for me to have gained you know so much of a family from this as I've had this year but it's like you said it did sort of make it did make this year a whole lot better I feel I find that even though we've been separated I find that wrestling has given me more of a connection than I think I otherwise wouldn't have would not have had if everything yeah. was normal and I'm just really grateful that you that I have you and so many other people you know in my circle who is supporting me um throughout this entire um avenue so thank you so much for coming on the hardy wrestling podcast and um if you would would you please just put yourself over and you know tell people where to follow you and tell people what you have going on you know and just yeah do that. <laughs> <Awesome> <laughs> i'm not the best at putting myself <laughs> over that's the thing too i've i've actually started shows where i forget to announce my name because I always just get into a mindset of like I'm just there to help tell the story and help there to to run the show not to tell people who I am so I'm not always the best at it but uh myself Miranda Morales you can find me on social media I'm on Instagram and Facebook at the hashtag Miranda hashtag spelled out I do not have a Twitter one of my other nicknames is the Twitterless heroine uh because I'm just not on Twitter but uh, I do sometimes um, get on the Chair Shots Twitter account uh, to do many takeovers and, and will sometimes hijack that Twitter account. So you can follow at Chair Shot Media if you ever want to find me on Twitter. That would be where I'm at. Um, and you can listen to some of the podcasts that I'm on um, at thechairshot.com. There I have my personal podcast, the Hashtag Miranda Show, uh, that I'm hoping Stephanie will be a part of in uh, very soon. Um, so if you're a fan of Stephanie's show, make sure to listen to the Hashtag Miranda Show when her episode will drop in the future. The Greg, the Greg DeMarco show is also on there. Um, the Lucha Central Weekly podcast is a trio that I'm a part of that talks everything about Lucha Libre, both in Mexico and in the United States. That's at luchacentral.com. And then every Tuesday, uh, I do an impact review on uh, Big Gold Belt Media, and we talk about the week's impact wrestling episode. So um, those are all the places that you can find me. All right. Well, thank you so much, Miranda, for coming on the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. And I wish you nothing but success in whatever it is you do. And I can't wait to be on your show. Yes, thank you so much, Stephanie. A big shout out to the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. This is an amazing podcast. I'm so glad uh, everyone listens to this show. Keep on listening because Stephanie Hardy is an amazing podcaster and host. So I'm excited to see what 2021 brings for you because the world is, is yours, my darling. Thank you so much. All 
right. So I want to send a special thank you shout out to Miranda Morales, my wrestling sister, for coming on my show. Um, she is a great mentor and an amazing friend to have in this wrestling podcasting universe. And I'm just so glad um, to have her support and her love um, during this process. So like I said earlier in the intro, I did. This is part one of my new episode of um, the Hardy Wrestling Podcast. Part two with the regular weekly recaps will be up either tonight or def- or more than likely um, tomorrow morning. So please listen to part two with the recaps of Raw, NXT, AEW, Impact for the very first time on the uh, wrestling show, and a little bit of SmackDown thrown in there due to professional obligations. So thank you for um, joining the vibe. Um, if you want to follow me, you can follow me on um, Instagram at Hardy Wrestling Podcast and on Twitter at Hardy Wrestle Pod. And just continue to support the show and listen to it everywhere you get your podcast. And until next time, or at least until part two, bye, y'all.